there, my name is Terry Bear, and welcome to I Have Things to Say. It's the podcast where I say things that might make you laugh, cry, think, maybe feel encouraged, but hopefully these things make you want to hear more things I have to say. It's awkward meets charm meets wit with a side of insight. So I'm glad you're here because I have things to say. Yay! All right, welcome again to today's episode. So glad you're here. Uh, this is Terry, and you're listening to I Have Things to Say because I have things to say. <laughs> Today, we're going to get a little bit deep. We're going to get a little bit dark, but we're going to have some hope here in the end. And uh, we're going to talk about um, I've mentioned before that I have a grief story to share. Um, probably a lot of you have a story of where you've lost someone that's been dear to you. Um, and funny thing about grief is it shapes you from that moment forward, uh, whether you like it or not. So um, a large part of my story um, involves losing my sister uh, years ago. It's been 19 years ago. And so I just want to talk about that for a little bit today because um, and I encourage you to listen whether you've lost anyone or not because um, someone you know at some point in time is going to lose somebody dear to them. And the way we respond to that person can really help or really hurt that person's uh, grieving and healing process along the way. And having gone through this myself at a young age, I was 23 when uh, I lost her and she was 21. Um, a sibling dealing with grief as an adult, it's a really hard thing. Uh, there's not a lot of people who can relate to it. Um, you kind of become an oddity with your group of friends. And so, um, I struggled a lot and I feel like, um, we just, we're, we're kind of a forgotten segment of the population or the segment of your family. Um, uh, when, uh, when a sibling is lost, people remember the parents, um, countless times people have asked me over the years, how are your parents doing? Um, I, I'm not as, it's not as often that people ask how I'm doing. And I don't think that's a, it's not a intentional oversight. It's just not a natural thing to think of how big of an impact losing a sibling is on the remaining siblings. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, and just to give you some background, my sister and I, two years apart, I was older by two years. So again, I was 23 and she was 21 when she passed away. Um, she and I had a funky relationship over the years. You know, we were both each other's best friends growing up and then we both, you know, hated each other a lot. <laughs> and it's typical sibling stuff. But later in her life, in our last few years of her life, we really did fall apart. We um, had um, some serious issues with each other and just some different things, different circumstances that I'm not going to go into today, but we weren't at a place where we were super friendly with each other and we didn't really talk. And um, it was getting better there towards the end. Some healing was taking place and I'm not going to get into a lot of detail on that today. I feel, I feel like I'm going to talk about uh, different aspects of this whole thing in several ep episodes from time to time. But um, we were we were on a path to healing, but hadn't yet really healed. And I truly believe that some things that took place before she died uh, in that effort of healing were um, because in some cosmic sense, and I'm not all I'm not all weird about that kind of stuff, but she kind of knew her time was coming. And we'll talk more about that at another time. But she, uh, it happened on a Thursday. And that's um, a title from 
part of my book that I've been writing for 10 years, kind of about this whole thing and, and how to deal with sibling loss. Um, she was with her three best friends and they were, they were killed in a single car, car accident. So um, not to go into too much graphic detail, but they were on their way home to um, college to start their senior years. Um, they had gone down to Houston to go to Ikea and on the way home on the afternoon, um, they all fell asleep in the car and hit a tree. Um, they all died instantly. They did not suffer, but obviously everybody's life changed at that point. Uh, mine changed dramatically and I had, I didn't even know it yet. I remember that day I was at work. Um, and I remember looking at the clock very distinctly at 3.23 p.m. And that's that's the moment that the accident happened and they died. And I can't tell you why or anything, but that I remember distinctly looking at the clock at that moment. But I didn't know about it. I didn't know what happened till later that evening. So I was at home later in the evening alone. I want to say it was around 8.30, 9 o'clock that night. I um, was watching... You're, gonna, you're not going to believe this, but I was watching, I believe I was watching Still Magnolias or I, it was because later when I came back to my house weeks later, that was in my BCR playing. So I'm pretty sure that's what I was playing at the time. And that movie has significance for my family as, as well. But sitting at home, I heard a knock at the door, wasn't expecting anything. Um, and I heard my mom on the other side of the door, but she didn't sound quite right. So finally figured out what was going on there, um, opened the door and... I was greeted by my mom and uh, several members of her Sunday school class to let me know what had happened. And from then on, things were pretty much a blur for a long, long time. Uh, I remember my house, my apartment being flooded with people that I didn't really know. They were making phone calls for me. They were calling my work, my boss. Um, they were helping me pack up some stuff so that I could go stay with my parents uh, across town. And um, so I stayed with my mom that night. My dad was actually out of town. So my dad had to hear this news um, while he was on a business trip in, uh, I believe he was in New York. And so he flew in the next day, but it was just a blur from that moment on of phone calls. Um, I remember having to answer the phone, people asking me how Miriam is, was Miriam okay? And that's my sister's name is Miriam. And I, me having to tell the people that no, she, she didn't make it. Uh, dad got in the next day. And then immediately the three of us, my dad and my mom and I got in the car and we drove down to where the accident happened because we just felt very much in hindsight, it wasn't the smartest thing to do because we were all exhausted. Um, and we felt very strongly, though, that we just needed to go get her, go be in her space. So we went down and saw where it happened. And I'll talk more about that another time. Um, it happened outside of a little antique shop on the highway. And um, just from the moment we got down there and the moment we started having to interact with people as a result of what had happened, we were just surrounded by the kindest, gentlest, sweetest people taking good care of us, taking good care of my sister and her two friends. Um, we went to the hospital because we felt very strongly that we needed to go, um, go see her there. And my one, one of my biggest regrets of this whole thing is that I did not actually go in to see her. Um, I stayed outside with my mom while my dad went into the room and saw her. And um, I did what I felt like I needed to do to take care of my mom in the moment. But if I'd had to, if I had a chance to do it over again, I would go see her in that way. Um, and we stopped by her apartment on the way back and picked out clothes for her. So, you know, this, this was a Friday. 
Um, I in no way expected to be doing this on my Friday, going down to, to take care of my sister who had died, picking out clothes for her to be buried in. Um, her apartment just felt so, it just felt wrong to be in there without her there. I, I don't think I had been in that apartment before then. Um, but yeah, so it was just a flood of, if you've ever experienced anything like this before, if you've, if you're listening to this and going, oh my gosh, why is she telling me this story? I feel like the context is helpful to understand what it's like to go through this as an adult sibling. Um, cause I had to help make decisions. I, ha- I picked out her casket. Um, my, my younger sister, I'm picking out things to bury her in. You never expect to be without a sibling, much less a younger sibling. It's just not the right order of things. When you think about who needs to go first, um, you know, you prep, you prep for the funeral. People are everywhere. Families coming into town. There's food everywhere. People bring food like there's no tomorrow. There's just food literally everywhere. And people, kind, sweet people are just doing things for you. Like somebody showed up and mowed my parents' yard and somebody showed up and somehow somebody did all my laundry. <laughs> um, and it really embarrassed me at the time. I was so thankful for it. But the only thing I could think about was somebody I don't know has seen my underwear, <laughs> which was probably the least rational thought I was having at the time. But, you know, all these little things just happen. It's funny how people just know how to jump into action. Um, and I'm thankful for the experience in that way that now when when I come across someone who is close to me, who's experiencing a tragedy like this, or, you know, when it's time to rally people around to take care of a family who's lost someone, um, it helps that I kind of know what to do. I know, you know, meals show up and um, trivial things get done. And, you know, we had friends, my parents had friends picking up family from the airport and finding places to stay for everyone. Um, and it was, it was a really overwhelming experience in a lot of ways. And some of the most overwhelming parts of it was that um, this was, it was actually on the news. So um, for whatever reason, my mom didn't watch the news that day. I didn't watch the news that day. And I really have not been a news watcher since, but um, when three college girls die in a car accident, uh, it makes the news. And it, we had, uh, we we had a flurry of people around. We had to kind of arrange, the visitation and different things around uh, media exposure, which was so, so very strange. Suddenly a whole lot of people knew who we were, knew who my sister was um, and who had never known about us before. So uh, one good thing that happened from this, this accident and then a accident that happened not too long after that at the same college, which was Baylor University, and I tell you, they were amazing during this whole thing, taking care of our family, um, was that it it created a need uh, for drowsy driving awareness. And so um, that's been part of kind of welcome week activities, I believe. It was for a long time. I'm not sure if it's still there, but, you know, drowsy driving, in case you didn't know this, more drowsy driving accidents happen in the afternoon than during the middle of the night. It's because people get tired after lunch around 3, 3.30. You probably feel it at work or kind of in your afternoon. You start getting a little drowsy. You need a little pick-me-up. Um, that's when ha- that's when drowsy driving accidents happen. So that's a little PSA for you guys. But um, it's a flurry of activity when you lose someone. And it's a flurry of not knowing how to act. So um, 
I feel like, and this isn't to minimize, minimize the trauma in any way, but it makes sense for parents to be super upset when they lose a child. Um, it, it's hard for people to understand the grief that a sibling goes through at the same time. Um, I'm the oldest, so I felt like I should be taking care of things. I should be taking care of my sister, but it's something I could no longer do. Should be taking care of my parents, but I didn't know how because I'm, I'm, I'm a reminder, right? I'm a reminder that we're one, we're one a bear down. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of a, a jokey way to put it, but um, I didn't know how to be around my friends. I didn't know how to be around my cousins who, you know, just knew us together. Terry and Miriam, we come together. Didn't know how to be around people who had known us together, you know, high school friends, youth group friends. Um, didn't know how to be around people who I was just starting to know. Um, I was that funny girl. And now I was suddenly um, that weird, sad girl all the time. So, um, after the bustle, that's when all this, the hustle and bustle, that's when all this stuff starts to sink in, right? Um, because immediately after, you know, funeral happens, all that kind of stuff happens. Um, it's within a week or two that, that things are really crazy. And then everybody leaves and you have to go back to some kind of normal life. And that's when things get really, really quiet. Um, that's when thought starts to happen. That's when you realize that you can't go back to normal because there is no more normal. Um, I went back to work, but can't remember focusing on anything. Um, I was so thankful for the job I had at the time. I'd only been there for two months when this happened and just could not have been surrounded by more love and more uh, caring. I grew very close to some people during that time. Um, but at the same time, it was a weird way to grow close to people because I was not used to the one needing help. And I was suddenly rallied around by people that I didn't know very well who were doing anything they could to be with me. But at the same time, people who I was close to, I felt like I couldn't connect with them anymore. And I want to be very clear and not and and say that I'm not calling anybody out for not having done enough for me. Um, that's not the case at all. It's just very hard to feel right, to feel okay, uh, when suddenly everything about your world has changed. Not only had I lost my sister, but I lost the parents I'd known for 23 years. Um, they have never been the same again, and that makes total sense. It's not their fault, but. Um, it just, it happens. I'm no longer the oldest. I'm just the child. I'm just the daughter. I'm just the only one that's left. And it's so, no one could relate to me at that time. I didn't have, um, I didn't have a, a sibling grief buddy. Not that I would have wanted that, but um, somebody who could relate to where I was would, would have um, just helped me go, okay, I'm feeling this stuff why am I feeling this stuff? And is this okay? Um, I did grief counseling and super helpful. In fact, grief counseling leads to all kinds of other counseling. So just be aware of that. Um, you know, grief groups that I went to, I remember going to a grief support group, grief, <laughs> grief support group with my parents at the church we attended at the time. And it was just all wrong for me. There was, there were no other people on my level of, grief or experiencing what I experienced. And it just was a horrible, horrible drag. And I know that it was meant to help, but there's just, there's just not, I was given books, so many books on how to deal with grief. Um, but not from a sibling perspective, like what do you do when you lose your sibling? And it's just, it's such a, it's such a, um, it's just something that nobody really thinks about. I think when, 
um, you're in that situation and you know people who have lost someone, that siblings need special kind of care. Um, we have immediately become like, you never think, I never actually thought of death until then, like as a real thing. Um, but you come face to face with it, mortality right there. And you're in deep, deep pain um, because you can't explain what just happened and you have to go on without this person that I'd literally known my entire life except for two years, the two years when I was, I didn't have a little sister yet. Um, and then now I'm back to not having a little sister. I don't know what life is like without that. Um, it's a club you don't want to be in. I, I don't want to be in this club. And here's the other thing is that once you're in this club, you're always in this club. There's no end to the club. Um, things don't magically go back to the way they were. They never can. But as you go through it and as years go on, you learn to deal with it better. I want to be very clear. I don't think grief ever gets any easier. Um, is it, is, does it change? I, yes, it changes a lot over the years. Um, every day, every year when the anniversary of Miriam's death comes up, I'm in a different place. Some years it is super, super hard. Some years I'm okay. And, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be okay the next year. And there's no, I have, I learned that I had to stop placing a, an, an, expe an expectation on myself that, okay, I was fine this year. So I need to be fine every year from now on. That's not how grief works. It goes back and forth. Um, I've had to reevaluate my position in life. I was a big sister and now suddenly I'm not. Um, I had a sister to go through life with and now suddenly I'm an only child. So that day in that moment at 3.23 p.m., changed my entire life. I no longer have a sister that I will see get married or that will be in my wedding one day. I'm never going to be an aunt in that way. Um, as my parents age and grow older and deal with different health things, I'm the only one to take care of them now. I'm the only one to be there. puts a huge burden on me uh, to feel like I have to be all the things. And that's something I struggle with often is feeling like, you know, now I have to take the place of two. I have to be all the things that Miriam was, plus all the things that I am to make this family whole again. And that's an unfair expectation that nobody else puts on me but myself. But those are things that siblings who are grieving go through. We suddenly feel like, okay, we have to be all the things to all the people in the family to make up for the person who's not here. And that's not to say that we're going to replace that person. It's absolutely not possible to replace my sister. Um, in my life, for my parents, uh, for in any way, but you still feel this burden to take on all the things and try to be and do all the things so that everyone is, else is okay. But in the middle of that, you're not being okay for yourself, if that makes sense. Um, and it makes it makes um, it makes it really hard to figure out what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to move forward, and. Um, so that's what I just want to connect on today just a little bit is just um, if you are an adult sibling dealing with the loss of another sibling or if you know someone who has lost a sibling as an adult, just you have to you have to allow yourself to feel all kinds of weird things and you have to allow them to feel all kinds of weird things. They're not going to be the same person that they ever were before, but there's a lot of hope and healing and there's a lot of things to be thankful for along the way. So I want to just talk a little bit about um, 
just some of the things that I am thankful for from it. And I know that's, that may sound sound strange. Like, how could I be thankful about anything when suddenly losing a sibling uh, all these years ago? But I actually am. And I think it's important to focus on those things um, as you are able. So if you're going through something like this, if you're going through the loss of a sibling or just a loss at all, none these things are not going to be things that you feel and understand immediately. There's a lot that I still don't understand and want to desperately to understand about what happened, about why it happened. These are things I may never know. Um, but there's so many questions about a lot of it that I still have, but, um, you know, and, and the biggest question is why her, why not me? That's been an ongoing thing that, um, pops up every once in a while when I'm just feeling like, okay, (laughs) Seriously, why am I going through this now? Why is this? Why why was I the one left behind when she was the outgoing and super bubbly and super social and just, you know, never met somebody who wasn't a friend. Just she can make friends with anybody kind of person. And I'm the one who's afraid of people. <laughs> I'm the introvert who's better off at home by myself or um is so awkward or just feels like so often that I've said or done the wrong thing and that, you know, am I good for anybody? Those are the things, those are the thoughts that I have based on my personality type and just my situations in life. And, but it's so wrong to feel that, um, now, but it's a natural thing to feel that I think. And I want to be, I want to just tell you right now, if you, it's not wrong to feel things. Okay. It's how you deal with the things that you're feeling that is right or wrong. So, If you are one who has lost somebody, whether it's a sibling or a spouse or a child or anybody, you're going to feel some things that feel really bad. And I want to encourage you not to dwell on if it's bad or not. Um, Feel what you are feeling. And that's that's coming from someone who's taken a long time to get there. Um, The key is to handle it constructively. And this that's coming from someone who has not always and does not always handle what I'm feeling constructively. But the difference is I can tell a huge difference in how I recover and how I am with others and how I feel about life and how I heal when I handle things constructively versus when I I settle for just feeling something and then handling it the wrong way or not handling it in a constructive way. And I don't have all the answers about how to do that, but you know, counseling is good writing things out, talking to a trusted friend, um, those kinds of things. But there are some things that I'm thankful for um, as a result of having lost my sister. And it's hard to say that. And it may sound weird. I'm not thankful that I lost her, but I'm thankful for some things that have come about in my life as a result of that. Uh, I'm thankful for um, the officers and the first responders that day. Um, the first responders who took care of her were amazing. And um, I don't know all the details of that either, but I'm so thankful also for the officers who came to my mom's house that day and had to tell her this news. And that's part of why I volunteer with my local PD, because it was actually some of those guys locally here that did that uh, for her back then. But it's just such a hard job that they have to have to be the ones to break that news to people. And it can happen any day, any shift to any officer that they're the one who is called to do that. And they have to be prepared to do that on the spot. And that's hard really, really hard. I'm thankful for whatever reason that none of us watched the news that day because we would have found out about it. It was on the radio. Uh, We would have found out about it before the officers had come and that would have been exceptionally hard. Um, I said this already, but I'm thankful for the company I worked for at the time that took such good care of me and for long after too. Um, 
the company was a, a, a touring women's conference and the speakers that I'd never met before, they reached out to me and just loved me and made, made things a little bit better then. Um, and I'm thankful that I went through it because I feel like it's such an underserved part of, um, it's an underserved grieving group that now I can say that I've been through it and I can offer some insight and whether it's, I don't have the fix, there's no fix for it, but there is, um, you know, I can just encourage people that, you know, someone who's lost a sibling is not anybody to be feared. (laughs) We're going to be weird. We're going to be sad. We're going to, we're going to make things uncomfortable. Um, but trust me, it's harder on us than it is for you. And so this book that I've been writing for probably the better part of 10 years, um, I'm encouraged now to kind of, to finish that because I feel like that was missing from all the reading material I was giving. And not really a how-to, just, and I, I've said this before, I think just sharing our stories is so, so important because if you can hear from someone who has gone through something like you've gone through, it makes you feel like you're not alone. And at the end of the day, I feel like that's really what most people need is just to not feel like they're alone. And when you lose a sibling, when I lost my sister, I felt so alone for years, a lot of years. And there are times when I do now too, because the, you know, the more new friends I make and the new relationships I make, um, there's this thing that's part of me that doesn't make a lot of sense to them. And I'll be sad on a day when it doesn't make sense to be sad. I'll be sad at a couple times in specific times a year, her birthday at Christmas, uh, on the anniversary of the day she died. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to people. They don't know what to do with me. Should I not talk to her about it? Should I not ask her about it? Does she need to be alone? Should I sit with her? Um, I feel weird when I sit with her, but honestly, just knowing that people know and not feeling like I have to explain but also being, I'll tell you the biggest thing, and this has come a long way because I didn't used to like to talk about it, but I love being asked about it. Um, I feel like it helps carry my sister's legacy to talk about her because um, the world is missing. We're missing a big person. We're missing a pretty amazing person uh, without her. Um, but I feel like people who will sit with me or who will ask me about it or listen to me talk about it, or we'll even just risk asking me about it, even if I don't want to talk about it in that moment. That means so much. So I want you to know that if you are, if you have a loved one or a friend or somebody who you know has lost somebody or is going through a difficult time, um, own reaching out to them. Don't make them come to you, uh, and don't don't handle them with kid gloves. If that makes sense. Um, I've heard from people that they they decide they don't want to talk to me about it or they don't want to ask me about it or don't want to don't want to be there for me because they feel like it would be harder for me because they don't know what to do. When the opposite's true, that's about them. That's about them doing something for them and not putting you first in a moment when you can really use being first for a minute. So reach out to your people. Losing a sibling is hard and I've lost grandparents I've lost other people I've lost friends the hardest has been my sister and um I just want to encourage you that you know you're going to feel sad you're going to feel angry um and that doesn't end I don't want to be a Debbie Downer but that doesn't end you just learn how to handle it better over the years a lot of prayer um a lot of belief that she's where she's supposed to be right now and God took her for a reason 
she she um, she did her job. She did the job that she needed to do. And for her, it only took 21 years to, to <laughs> accomplish everything that God had in store for her. And that's pretty sweet. But selfishly, you know, we'd all like we'd all like for her to still be here with us. So. So this was kind of a rambly episode, I know, and I know it was kind of hard to listen to. It was hard for me to talk about, but I feel like it was a very important episode and an important story to get out there um, because it's such a big part of who I am and who I've been over the past 19-ish years since this happened. And um, it's taken a long time for me to figure out, okay, what can I do with that? But um, it has come and I don't want to communicate at all that I feel like losing a sibling is harder than any other type of loss, losing a child, losing a parent, losing a, um, uh, you know, a, a spouse, anyone close to you is very, very hard to lose. And, um, so there's no better than there's no worse than there's no, Oh, woe is me. And this is not a woe is me story. Um, a lot of you, there'll be people listening to this who know me and don't know the details of this story. And, but I want to just encourage you that uh, I'm bringing to light here how hard it is for siblings to lose a sibling. And we don't often get remembered for that years after the fact. Uh, even even in the weeks and months, you know, people kind of expect you to bounce back. Oh, it's just your sister. Oh, my gosh. Yes, it's just my sister. So um, be patient. Don't expect your your friend or your loved one who's lost a sibling to be able to bounce back right away. Give them space, give them patience, give them love, um, encourage them, sit with them, um, ask them how they're feeling. I think that would have made the most difference uh, more often for people to just recognize that, oh my gosh, this is super tough. Tell me how you're doing. Instead of, you know, only asking about my parents or only asking about other things or the other families that were involved in, um, sit with people, but make sure, make sure when you care about people, it's from a place of genuine care and concern. I've had, I, I hate to admit that I've had people befriend me or show interest in me because they found it interesting what we've been through as a family, what I've been through, um, and they wanted to know about it, but didn't necessarily want to help me in any way. So be very careful of that. Um, but if there's, if the best thing that comes out of this is that I'm able to encourage someone else because I've been there and just sharing a story. And that's what we do here for uh, our podcast. I have things to say. It's about sharing stories and sharing life. And I don't have the answers. I don't have a 10 step program to get through grieving the loss of your sibling. That's not what this is about. There's no, there's no 10 step program. It's going to be different for everyone. But when you feel like there's no resources out there for you or you feel like no one understands, um, I hope that this podcast is helpful to you because I'm, I've been there and I'm still there. Um, and if you know of someone who's experienced that, um, share this podcast with them. I hate, I hate that that would happen. That was one of the things early on um, for me that I just dreaded is because I went through it so early in my adult life that I just, I dreaded it happening to anyone else that I knew because it's so, so awful. And I didn't want it to change them in the ways that it had changed me. So know that your people who are dealing with the loss of a sibling um, are suffering in a unique way. And just be there for them. If you don't have the answers, if you don't, and you won't, but then they don't expect you to have the answers, but, you know, share this podcast with them if you think it might help. Uh, and just remember that, you know, 
everybody needs, everybody who's grieving needs time and they need care and they need love and they need, they probably need you. (laughs) So be there, be that person. Um, You don't have to save their world. You're not going to save it, but you can be someone that they can reach out to. You can be someone that they feel safe with. Um, and be someone that they know that on their worst moments, when they're just having one of those days where they can't get out of bed and they don't feel worthy of still being left behind and they don't feel like they matter and they can't make sense of what has happened and why they had to lose their person, um, be someone that they can reach out to or notice when someone disappears for a while and is suffering in silence and grief because they don't feel that they have anyone that they can go to or talk to without being embarrassed or without feeling like, you know, you don't want people to feel sorry for you, but you do need somebody. So um, it's a tall order. It is a tall order, but I'm telling you that just a little bit of effort towards somebody who's really, really suffering through a loss goes a very long way Um, and they'll be super appreciative for it. All right, closing out today, and now maybe it makes a little bit more sense why I use these recordings that I did of my sister's uh, song. This was a song that she never had a chance to record, um, and it was just a little something she did as a high school project. But, um, you know, in an effort to carry on her legacy and just keep her with us a little bit longer, I turned these into a CD that I gave to my mom and um, just it's such a cool thing that I remembered that I still have these available and in a format that I can use for my podcast because it just helps me. (laughs) She's been such an influential part of my life, even though she hasn't been here for so long that it's nice to get to do something with her (laughs) again. So tonight we're closing out or today, this episode, we're closing out again with this one was called mood funk. There's only a few versions. There's six or seven. So you're going to hear them. You're going to hear them over and over again, but you know what? It's all good. So mood funk for today, closing out. Thank you for joining me today. We'll go a little lighthearted, more lighthearted next time. So join me again for next episode. And remember, you can always support me in a couple ways. One, you can share the podcast. You can share individual episodes or you can share the show as a whole with your friends, family. Um, If anything that I ever talk about, you feel like can help someone else. I encourage you to share it with them. Um, And you can reach out to me. You can send me messages. You can post reviews. Uh, Reviews and ratings help me a lot. Uh, Just get my show out there a little bit more. And then you can also click that little button at the top that support this podcast show um, and actually give me money (laughs) to just be very blunt about it um, to help support what I do here. So we'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening. Bye.